it has changed in the last 10, 15 years. Women are fighting the same battles that women were fighting back in the 20s. Mm. If you read your history back, you'll see that all those people who fought for votes for women, etc. It's all the same sort of battles that we're facing today. I'm Ren McDonald and this is The Hope Initiative, a show dedicated to learning about humans on planet Earth, where I speak with everyday people to find moments of success and struggle in their life to help inspire hope in yours. Welcome to episode 10. For those of you listening who have heard this podcast before, it will come as no surprise to you that I generally ask an open-ended question to begin and see where it takes me. The problem with interviewing a guest that isn't famous and has no Wikipedia page or anything like that is that you can't do a great deal of preparation for the interview. In today's episode, I speak with my grandma, or Nan, as us grandkids call her, Pat MacDonald. I know bits and pieces of my nan's life from spending time with her over the years and from what my dad's told me, but approaching the age of 82, I was pleasantly surprised to learn more about her life when I sat down with her and recorded this. As the eldest guest to date, she had some wise things to say while simultaneously stamping her humour on a lot of her answers. My naivety as a Gen Y comes through, but I had to keep in the silly things that I said. I feel it shows how far the world has come of late and how a lot of the problems we face today pale in comparison to what people only generations before us have faced. Something that may not be a revelation for most, but is nonetheless refreshing to realise again and again. I'll say it now rather than at the conclusion of the episode, this episode may not be for everyone. As with the previous nine, neither are they. This one is a recording with a lady whom has done such a great deal for my life and is now something I can listen to until I'm in my 80s and the years beyond, but also my children and theirs. If you choose to listen, I hope it sparks a desire in you to reach out to someone with whom you may not communicate with a great deal, but who has truly had an effect on your life. For I believe everyone has something interesting to say, you just have to be interested to find it. Here's my nan. We're here with my nan, Pat MacDonald. Thank you for coming on my podcast. That's fine, Rin. Happy to do it. Thank you. So I wanted to start by asking you to tell me a little bit about your life. You've just told me you're turning 82 this year in a bit over a month. So you've obviously lived, you know, many, many days. I'm sure you've got a, a bit to tell, but if you want to tell me a little bit about your, your life, maybe growing up, that would be great to start. Oh, Okay, early memories, standing outside Pentridge Jail on the little lawn there where a guard threw an apple down to me. That was, I can remember, just Mum and Mary, my sister Mary and I, and Peter was in the pusher. That's so, probably was about three. Wow, so Pentridge... Yeah. Yes, and we lived in, uh, uh, well, uh, in virtually in Brunswick yeah, at that stage. Okay. Mm. 
So that was your one of your first memories. Yes. Now you mentioned you you know with, with your sister and your brother who was in the pusher. You yeah. were one of quite a few kids, right? How many kids? Well, eventually there were nine of us. Right. But at that stage, only three. Right. So you were the second eldest. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So family you had a quite a big family. We did. Uh, we moved from there to. Um, uh, oh, I can't think of the... Bentley. Bentley? Uh, Bentley for a while. And then uh, to Garden Vale. And at Garden Vale, we uh, had a, a house that was very accommodating, just a normal brick house, a short street, and we were at number four. Number four May Street, Garden Vale. Nice. So you grew up there? Well, for that, yes, there went to school at the Catholic convent school. Yeah, just in Martin Street, just around the corner. We could walk there in probably ten minutes. Yep. So, which we did a lot. <laughs> at times during the by this time the war was Second World War mm-hmm. started, and Mary and I, when whenever my mother was having another child, we'd be stuck in the convent for a term oh, wow. and boarded, yep. which we loved, or I loved. I'm, I'm not sure about Mary. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, it was good. And we'd lie up on the first floor and at night and see the searchlights going all around the sky, <laughs> wow. looking for planes. And if there was a plane, you hid under the, under your pillow. <laughs> right. But it was pretty rare. Okay. And looking for planes, like, is this related to the war or...? Yeah, oh, yes. It was, yes, all the time. The, the, so 1939, well, it was 1940. 40, I was three when I went to school. Yeah. Uh, I can remember going there. Being three and three quarters, right? Standing, telling people how old it was. <laughs> cool. Uh, that was it. Was it? Was it scary? Like, do you remember being quite scared when you were that age and and living through the Second World War and possibly you know Australia being under attack? Well, we knew about the war, but as children, it was just every day. The men were always doing things like digging trenches in the streets opposite the school and places. That, that, they did that outside the church, St James's Church was on the corner and and uh, the men had working bees to find places. But, of course, Melbourne never did have any bombs dropped on it. Right. But there were planes that came over that were... We weren't told about that Uh the newspaper were heavily censored, right? And there was only radio. Okay, and that's where you got the news. Yes, yes. We gathered around the radio and listened to the news. Okay. At seven o'clock every night. Oh wow! <laughs> you and all your, your oh, family. Well, brothers. at that stage, you were only a handful. Sure. And we didn't know. Mary and I really didn't understand what was going on. I mean, we were. I would have been eight in 1945. Right. 
So that's when the war ended. Yeah. Mm. So what, after that, what were your, what was your life like? What, what are some of your memories of, of growing up, maybe fondest memories with oh. all, your, all your siblings? I don't know that I have any fondest, having to look after them all the time. Right. If we went to, to the beach, down, we used to walk down to North Road Beach or Martin Street Beach, which was a, probably a quarter, oh no, a bit longer than that, probably about a half an hour walk yep. to, the, to the beach there. It wasn't a very nice beach, had rocks there a bit, yeah. but uh, we had to take our a couple of our younger siblings, depending on, you know, they, they weren't all there. The last one didn't get born till the 50s. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, and that we're, this is during the school holidays, and then we come back at lunchtime, and then we get on our bikes, and ride down to Middle Brighton Baths and go to the baths down there because you could dive there and uh, it was all fully enclosed and it was, uh, yeah, that was just Mary and myself. Okay. That sounds quite yeah, nice. Yeah, it was. Uh, what else did we have? We used to have fates at school. That was always something. Yeah. We, we did a lot of uh, singing at the convent. Yep. Don't ask me now. To sing? <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> Not a chance. Uh, so we just proceeded up. It was a private school run by the nuns. Uh, I didn't have any major problems. Uh, got on with it, just pretty basic. By this time, we were interested in football. Mm. Uh, Peter and Mary... Were, became Richmond supporters. I ignored football for a while. Uh, eventually I went to a game with Peter, my brother. Uh, it was a Richmond-Collingwood game and uh, I can't remember the year uh, but uh, it was the last... The, the, there were four brothers called the Toomeys I can't remember all their names, but Tat Pat Toomey was uh, knocked into the fence. These are Collingwood players by some crummy old um, Richmond player pushed into a the, the fence. It was a little picket fence that ran around the the ground, the Richmond ground, and uh, he never played football again after that. It knocked him. Rottenly, he oh, had wow. so many injuries. So I decided I was following Collingwood because oh. I wasn't going to follow those Richmond creeps. Right. No, <laughs> no, like correlation to him having the same name as you, though. It was no, more because no, of... I never thought of that at the time. Right. But the four brothers, there was Pat, I think there was a John, I think they're probably all Irish. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. So that's why you went. So that's why I barracked for Collingwood. When I finally took on a football team. Mm. Yeah. At that time too, after the war and during the war, food was scarce. So everybody had to have a book of coupons. Mm -hmm. Or mum would have ours 
and to buy sugar or butter or flour or anything like that, not flour, but butter, sugar, tea, or lots of things, you had to have the grocer would cut out coupons. So you were only allowed, each person was only allowed X amount of anything a week. Right. And so you had all these. So in, in some ways we had lots of stuff because with the number of children we all had... So we got lots of butter and lots of um, sugar and other people would only get small quantities. Right. Yeah, yeah that's, that was something. There was no, <laughs> no coffee. Okay. I hate coffee. <laughs> no coffee. People used uh, chicory. Chicory, what's yes, chicory? Yes, it's a, it's a plant that had supposedly had a, a similar taste to coffee it was awful <laughs> yeah. uh, mum just had a bottle of chicory in in the she was the only one who had it and I think it was for visitors really yeah what else could I remember well I, I've got a school? question yeah. yeah tell me about school I I didn't have any real problems I, I, it's oh, a bit slow I was okay. um, and partly one of our problems was if anybody got sick in the family, if it was an infectious disease they had, like chicken pox or German measles or measles or whatever, the whole family had to stay home from school. Right. So we missed lots and lots of school. Sure. And you had to stay at home until the last person in the family had had it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And... Uh, so we did miss a, quite a bit of school as we were growing up. Right. That was the policy, was it? Yeah. With all oh, the yes. families? With, yeah. The government policy was that. Wow. You had to stay 10 days or something from uh, when the first spot re- appeared. Because you don't always know that you've got the illness yeah. until it's infected everybody else. <laughs> right. And so it would go through the family. And what did you I do did, when you when you left school? What age were you maybe when you finished high school and did you go to university and what was life like as you no. sort of grew a little bit older? No, I, I was in year, what we call uh, Form 5, Year 11, that would have been. Yeah. And uh, we'd started the school year and it was only a small class. I think there were only about seven of us, seven or eight. Uh, and... I didn't have all my textbooks because Dad wouldn't pay for them. So one, when I went back the second term, we only had three terms a year then. Yeah. Uh, it was just on my 16th birthday coming up and uh, he, the nun asked, uh, announced to the class, can someone lend me the, my, the, uh, their geography book? Because Miss Headland has my copy, <laughs> and that was enough. I went home to Mum and said, "I no, 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 I want to leave school." Wow! So that made you leave. So yeah. I did. We looked up the paper, and I went for three jobs that day or the following day. Rang them up: one at Dunlop Rubber, one at uh, a solicitor's office, and where was the other one? Insurance, an insurance company. Okay. And I got them all because they were 
there was plenty of work then. Yeah. Um, and I'm like an idiot, or not, I took the lowest paid one of the three, the solicitors, because I thought that would be more interesting. Oh, really? <laughs> so that's what I did. And I was earning £4.10. An hour? A week. <laughs> a week? Sorry, excuse me. A week, £4.10. A week, £4.10. This is in 1953. Uh, yeah, around about then. So very naive of me to say an hour, All right? Yeah. A week. A wow. week. And women were paid... A boy doing the same work would have been paid probably almost double that. Wow. Not quite double, but, yeah. Were there any men doing the same job? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. solicitors, clerks. We were just clerks, really. Yeah. Uh, we searched titles, went up to the titles office and looked up land and yeah. um, lodged documents at the courts and took clients up to their cases. Right. Yeah, walked all around the city. You went very well. Did you enjoy that job? <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Yeah, how long great. did you do that for? I did that for um, about eight years. Okay. Yeah. By the time you finished, what were you getting paid then? Not I, that it's all about money, but no, I'm just curious I, to know. <laughs> I was being paid fourteen pound ten. Okay, so quite the increase it in, a, great, in a sense. But a man but, was. Would be getting 21. Okay, so still getting more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I say that, but I mean, I know that it's yeah. still a thing today. Like, the equality yeah. with wages is only sort of just now yeah. becoming a big enough problem that people are kicking up a fuss and it's getting, you know, Yeah, that's right, equal. it is. That's... You happy to see that? Of course I'm happy to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to put words in your mouth. But... Uh, I went to... Uh... Uh, when I did teaching, it was great because teachers were all paid the same. Oh, really? Men or women. That's but nice. men tended to rise through the ranks right. faster than women. What would you put that down to? They were men, weren't they? Men stuck together. It was just the way. It's still the same here. Mm. Uh, it has changed in the last 10, 15 years. Women are fighting the same battles that women were fighting back in the 20s. Mm. If you read your history back, you'll see that all those people who fought for votes for women, etc. it's all the same sort of battles that we're facing today with sex, sexual problems. And, right. Yeah. How did you become a teacher? So you went from working in... Oh, OK. Um... Because you worked in a solicitor's office for eight years. Yeah. And then did yeah. you go into teaching after that? I had then had started having babies. Right. And uh, by the time I, I was expecting Ian, number two son, yeah. uh, I was bored silly at home. <laughs> and uh, I started wanting to do something. So I then tried to get my matriculation... I've decided I needed to find a job that uh, uh, gave me holiday time to look after the kids. Right. So, um, teacher. So that was the first thing. And then I thought, well, I'd rather do become a librarian and maybe I could wangle that that sort of 
at, the, at that time, teachers and librarians were just coming into the schools. It took me eight years. <laughs> I went. I had to to get my matric. I had to go to uh, a coaching college because oh. there were no TAFE colleges. There was no. The only place you could go would be a coaching college run by. You've heard of Taylors? No. Oh, well, that's one that's in Melbourne. Yeah. I think they're still there. Um, or in my case, it was a local one at um, oh, Elstonwick. Okay. And, uh, and University High was free and I had to pay. Yeah. So, but University High or um, uh, Emily Mack in the city. But to get from where I lived at Garden Vale to, uh, not at Garden Vale, at Hyatt. Oh, yeah, where were we then? Yeah, Hyatt we were then. Yeah. Uh, this is when you were married? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it just took a long time. I could only manage to do, you know, one or two subjects a, a, a year. Right. And uh, it just took me eight years. So you're doing that when you were having kids? Yeah, and got, I kept on having kids. <laughs> yeah, because you got four sons. Yes. All evenly sort of spaced out, right? Oh, two yes, years between. Two yes, the first three deliberately spaced out. <laughs> <laughs> the last one was a mistake. <laughs> Thank God for him because <laughs> he's the one who helps me the most. <laughs> right, he lives quite close to you here. <laughs> Apart from that, yes, yes, but that's... Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's yeah. maybe helps him slightly, but yeah, it is nice, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Dad tells me I was a mistake and I was the first, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know you were a mistake. Well, that's what he says. Yeah. I, well, I wasn't planned, maybe oh, it's okay. probably a nice way of putting it, but he certainly said it both yeah. ways. Yeah, but then I, well, I had... We were married three years and I had... Uh, Stuart, three years and nine months okay. <laughs> after. So you had Stuart, Ian, Ian, Robert, who's my father, and then yeah. Andrew. That's right. Right. So just to go back, because we mm. haven't really spoken about how you met Gordon, yeah. your husband, my right. pop. Yeah. How did you meet Gordon? Uh, in my When I first started working and had um, 10 shillings left over that I could spend on myself, after I'd paid for board and stockings and and a train uh, my fare in and out to the city, yeah. uh, uh, I wanted to learn to fly. Okay. During the war, because my all my heroes were all the book, and I read books voraciously, mm. uh, and I knew about all these. Uh, woman pilots and I wanted to be a pilot too nice. so I investigated and it was far too expensive for me but uh, I got a letter I wrote to the aircraft magazine and the editor wrote back and said why didn't I think of gliding okay. so told gave me the address and of the gliding federation and so through them I took myself one day to Berwick I had to get it go by train into the city and then get the steam train out to Berwick. <laughs> Long way away, Berwick. <laughs> it was then. I'm sure it was probably a bit further back then. <laughs> uh, and uh, I walked from there and arrived at the airfield, at uh, Casey's Field it was called. 
no. uh, was uh, Mr Casey then, but Lord Casey later on, yeah. owned this big paddock area that the uh, gliding club, two, there were two clubs there, the Beaufort Club and the Victorian Motorless Flight Group. Wow. And, that, and that was the one that I joined. Yeah. And that's where I met Gordon. Okay. He was a, one of the instructors, actually. Okay. So did he help you learn how to glide initially? Uh, not really. He he wasn't. He didn't like teaching. He didn't. <laughs> he, he 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 just didn't like it. He didn't like the pupil having control. <laughs> so he tended to take people around on joy flights more than anything, right. and other people, including your. Uh, Wally Burgess yep. was one one of the instructors. Yeah, Alan Patching. Okay. Uh, Alan's still alive. Yep. Wally's dead. Um, Derek Reed, I think Derek's still alive. They were all, and they were all science scientifically based people. And, right. um They did a lot of aeronautical work. Like if there was an accident, these. Oh, Derek was in the uh, weather. Forecasting, so they're all people who had science degrees mostly. Yeah, okay. Except your, except for Gordon. What did he and, have? Uh, any formal degree or? No, 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 he didn't. He had done just gone to school and then done his training as a fitter and turner. Okay. And then eventually ended up in the railways. Right. And there he he worked for most of the time. Okay. As a well, electrical foreman, and then became what they call um, train lighting was the area, and he looked after the freight trains mm. that went in and out of Melbourne in particular, and the interstate trains, so the Sydney one and the Overland were his babies. <laughs> right, nice. And yeah. so you met him there. And so I met him at gliding. Did he take you on a joyride or...? How did you oh, yeah, particularly yeah, catch well, each other's eyes? I had to so pay. To speak. <laughs> had to, well, I was just there. And we, everybody, it was different to the way things are these days. It wasn't everybody was a volunteer. All the work, there were no glider factories. All the work done was done by the members. Right. They built the planes themselves. They, they uh, doctored the poor old wrecks of cars that had wooden floors and accelerators on the wheel and uh, no windscreens or anything. And the cars were used to tow the the gliders after they'd landed back to the launch point. Yeah. And we had a winch at one end that had a big cable on it and you pulled the cable out. That was attached to the glider and they were winched up. <sighs> And you'll get about a thousand feet wow. on a winch launch. Um, they were early days. <laughs> How many times did you reckon you went up? Well, I've got a logbook. I could count them, but lots and lots. I used to do three. That's all I could afford was three launches on a weekend. That was seven and six that cost me. Seven and six? Yeah. What's that mean exactly, sorry? That's about 75 cents. Oh, wow. They were two and six a launch. Okay. Each launch cost me two and six. <laughs> cool. That yeah. seems quite cheap, but I guess if you're earning, you know, four pounds well, or fourteen yeah, pounds, yeah. Even if I was 
only a bit more by then, and it still was pretty tight. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's how I met Gordon. Nice. And how long after did you get married? About, uh, I don't know, two years after, yeah. in 56, so it wasn't long. Right. Yeah. Who courted who? I don't know. Uh, what happened was Pat and Rupert, or Rupert, well, he was the other um, part of one who was an instructor. Mm. Uh, <coughs> uh, he asked around who, who lives in that area, and Gordon lived at McKinnon. And I was, at, at that stage, I was still at Garden Vale, so yeah. he used to drop me home. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, they conned him into. <laughs> so you got to know each other a bit more mm. than him dropping yeah. you home. Yeah. Because you didn't drive, but he obviously. Oh, no. Because you did. Yeah. I was, ba- I was barely 18. I, I wasn't got my licence at 18, but. Yeah. Um, oh, so how old were you at this point? You were 16? 17. 17. 18, 17, 18. Okay. It, would have, it, was about, it all happened around that time. Yeah. I got my licence. And because the, one of the things on the gliding field was that, in my case, because I didn't have a boyfriend or anything, like my friend Pat did, Pat was Rupert's girlfriend, so he had her trained and everything. But when I wanted to do it, I went on having women drive our, our cars or our, our this. Oh, wow. Uh, the prejudices were pretty strong. Right. And... Uh, <coughs> so I had to get my driver's licence. I started at the gliding field the same time as two other blokes, uh, uh, Rob and, and Owen, and they ended up going solo earlier than me, They, but they were all the same age. Mm. Uh, but uh, they both had cars, of course, of their own. Yeah. Double men, weren't they? <laughs> right. And uh, so I bought up the the rear, and they didn't because I was female, and, and it was stupid because Gordon was taught by a woman. Right. So a member of the a family who all flew. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but the prejudice was pretty strong, and, and people made comments like, uh, "I'm not going to have." A woman, oh, I spent hours working on that car or on that such and such. I'm not going to let a woman drive it so, until they needed help. Right. And then all of a sudden we could drive it or if, when you turned up to fly, there weren't enough people there to hang on to a wingtip or something. And then they had to call on any stray woman who was around wow. to help. That's what it was like. When... Do you recall maybe things starting to change in terms of how women were treated? It, it's been very, very gradually. Um, when I started, it was happening about the time I started uh, working for the education department, and I can remember they, uh, they were amalgamating Sandringham girls and Sandringham Boys Schools. They were separate schools mm. with a fence between them. Wow. So they had all male teachers and this so this lot taught 
dressmaking and whatever for the girls and homes, economics, things like that. And the boys did business studies and girls did typing and shorthand, whatever. And when I was first sent to, or got work at Sandringham, for six months I was only there, uh, that there, there were teachers who would not talk to each other because they didn't want to be in the one school. So this is after the merge? Yeah, this was after the merge. Wow. There, it, was, it was most uncomfortable. There was one teacher, the teacher in, the li- in charge of the library was having a hysterectomy. Now, she needed that for medical reasons. She was in her 50s, so she wasn't likely to be having any more children. And there were men who um, campaigned against her getting leave to go and have this hysterectomy. Astounding. Jeez. That's not nice. No, it's not. And it wasn't nice there for a while. Right. They, you know, they, the men didn't talk. Some men wouldn't talk to the women, even though we all shared the one... Um, like lunchroom. Lunchroom. And, <laughs> yeah. What year was this? It was uh, like late 50s, early 60s? No, it was uh, 60, mid-60s. Wow. Even then. For me, that seems so strange, but how long yeah. did that last? That well, divide. as I say, it took a few years and uh, then things did change. Right. But we still had battles. What, what did you enjoy most about teaching and, and all being there in I the did library? It, I enjoyed being in the library. I liked mm. helping people find information. Uh, I, I was on the reader services side. I, I, I steered clear of the technical side of... You know, all the numbers, the Dewey system and the numbers that you find on the books and that whole system, mm. uh, I steered clear of that and left that to other people to do. Huh. <laughs> it's too finicky for me. <laughs> but I enjoyed... Uh, uh, by this time, we were using word processors um, and uh, we moved away. We, we started off with a card system and then move from that on to a, a printed copy that was done, actually done at Caulfield Institute. Yeah. We took our... The cards were printed at our place on the word processor and yeah. they were taken to Caulfield and Caulfield uh, put them in a book form. That was our library catalogue. Uh, so it was a gradual progression and every year we were adding something new and changing things. Change was very swift and it's still, it will see, you know what it's like today, right. the way things are getting cheaper and <laughs> etc. Cool. Is there anything you regret from your life? You're 82. Sorry, that's probably not the nicest question, but uh, is there anything you look back on that you might like to change if you had the chance? Not in any real way. I've I've had a, been I've been lucky, mm. been very lucky. Um, I'm mm. sure there are things that I, I regret, but I can't think of any in particular. I regret that my friends have all died, and there's none left apart from Joan, and she lives at Doreen. Right, is that something that can't really be helped? Like 
death does come oh, eventually yeah, for that's us right. all, right? But they, they died of um, cancer, yeah. breast cancer, Doris and Beryl died of breast cancer, you right. know. People didn't, as you know, Josie died of breast cancer. Yeah. Um, so did, um, I know, uh, Pauline had Alzheimer's. Right. So, You've yeah, also so, had cancer as And well, I've had right? cancer, yeah. Yeah. More or less got over it. Yeah. But there's other things, there's other parts of the body ready and waiting to collapse. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. you're funny. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm I'm struggling at the moment with my liver. Right. So. Well, you say um, yeah. You say that in a way that I've you know it's sort of self-deprecating in a way. Oh right. Well. If you know what I mean by that. Yeah. 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 Well, you say okay. it with a big grin on your face. Well, so I say it with a grin because you're 82. What do you expect? Parts of your body have got to collapse. <laughs> you're on the way out. You know. Right. There's okay. nothing to worry about. I've uh, I've told the family. I don't know whether you, you remember it, but you were present when I announced that, uh, that both Gordon and I were donating our organs to the to whoever wants them, if they can find any that are useful. <laughs> <laughs> so that when we die, they'll chop us up or not. I mean, your father's eyes must be bloody good. They must be useful. <laughs> yeah, right. I was going to say that for sure. Yeah. Okay. No, that is good. Yeah. I actually don't remember. No, but we were. That, but it's the family good. was all there that day, but because your children probably may not have been in the room at the time, you could have been sure. running around. It was uh, was a day. Uh, who did I upset? Uh, Stuart's uh, wife. Right. Helen. Helen. Helen, yeah. yeah, she fainted. She was horrified she that we fainted. that we were talking about such a thing. Wow, <laughs> so, I think it's a great thing. People, so, you need yeah. more organ donors, right? Yeah. The fact that you yeah. can help someone else's life after yeah. yours, you can help multiple lives. Yeah, well, that's right. You can give life, help somebody else survive for a bit longer, perhaps. Yeah. Can't imagine what's left of me that <laughs> will be any good. <laughs> Well, it's a thought that counts, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm 26. I'm not the eldest grandchild you have. I think no. Rhiannon's a couple of years older than me, but yep. in her 20s. If you could give us any advice, you know, you, you've got quite a few grandkids, what would that advice be in our 20s or late teens that you might might have wanted when growing up? Don't get married too early. <laughs> uh, not as early as I did. That, that was, except that I had the perfect man. So, uh, so unless you've got the perfect partner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. That's one thing because you do miss out on a lot of things. Um, but you can keep on trying. I think the thing keep on doing things, you know, don't just sit and twiddle your thumbs or if you, if you, if you once you stop work or are unable to work, try and pick up a, as a volunteer, do, do other things, do, find other interests, there's so much to interest you, yeah. and I think, from uh, 
so, so many things of interest, whether it's history or geography. Geology was my... I would have liked to have done geology mm. uh, because that really ended up as uh, my favourite subject and that's why I liked, liked working at the museum. Right. Yeah. You volunteered there for quite a few years, right? Yeah, about 30. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Quite a few decades. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, That's a Melbourne museum. Mm. Cool. All right. Well, look. I think we. Like, I mean, I'd love to keep talking, and I should probably come down here more often and talk to you without all okay. this. But yeah. anyway, I think it's been good. My pleasure, and it's lovely to see you. Yeah. And I did have more work for you to do, but we'll leave it for now. Okay. Because you're you're off to do some exercise. Yeah. But thank you so much, <laughs> okay. Nan. And yeah.